Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm, of course, your host with the most Phil Better, and today I am happy to have someone who helps great entrepreneurs scale their business and leave a legacy they can be proud of. I'm happy to introduce Nikki Billier, Mr. Nikki Billier. How are you doing today? Phil Better, brother. I am blessed and grateful, but my last name pronounced it Baloo. It's simple. Oh, I'm Baloo. sorry. I'm, I'm pronouncing oh, it like it's, it's, it's a good. French last name. Uh, Baloo. <laughs> um, so, Nikki, can you just give us a quick introduction? I know we, we had a few minutes to chat beforehand, but just introduce yourself to my audience, please. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm actually originally an immigrant from the Middle East. I'm a Christian from Iran. And when I was an 11-year-old boy, um, the Islamic Revolution was taking place in Iran. It was a time of turmoil and upheaval. And my late father, God rest his soul, he could see the writing on the wall. He could see this was not going to be a great place for him to raise his Christian family anymore. So what he did is he planned and he eventually hustled us out of Iran. And eventually we settled in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I am forever grateful to my father for doing that because he took us out of tyranny and brought us into freedom. I don't know, Phil, if you've been paying attention to the international news coming out of Iran, but a heard young a woman by about, the name... Uh, heard about a bit yeah. of uh, the upset. Yeah, there's a young woman. Her name is Mahsa Amini. She's 22 years old. She went outside with her hair partially uncovered. In Iran, it's a crime for women to be outside with their hair or skin showing. Think about that. Mm. And she was arrested and beaten to death by the so-called morality police. Now, the people of Iran, uh, they were just upset by this. They started protesting. And um, the regime has killed almost 500 young, uh, young women, even teenage girls, who've been protesting. They've arrested 15,000, and they are threatening to execute all 15,000 of them. So think about this, that, you know, in the West right now, there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, my God, the West, oh, it's so oppressive, so racist, so sexist. And I'm not pretending it's perfect here. Please hear me. But are you kidding me? Compared to everywhere else in the world, we have it really, really good. And I think it's important that we have an understanding that most of the rest of the world, if you say certain things like that in public, the government will take your life, <laughs> take your freedom. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm very grateful for the freedom that we have here. And I, I push back hard against that kind of talk because I believe we should stand up for what's great about our society. And I've become a champion of freedom all my life. I believe in freedom, in free expression and free enterprise, because without those, how can you have a successful business? If you don't have the freedom to pursue your dreams, your vision, you're never going to be successful. So for me, that's number one. And my late father, he was a believer in freedom, too, but he was also an uplifter of people, Phil. If he knew you and you were looking for work, he'd help you find a job. If you were trying to start a business he would help you get started. Even if you were going to compete with him, he didn't care about that. He just loved helping people. And if you worked for him and you needed money to buy a car, a house or an apartment, because you didn't quite have enough, he'd top you up so you could buy that car, that house or that apartment. Now, Phil, you might think to yourself, wow, who does that? Well, the late, great Napoleon Ballou for one. And secondly, why would he do that? Well, 
One is he was a Christian and he believed he'd been blessed by God and it was his duty as a Christian to share those blessings. Secondly, he was successful. He had the, the wherewithal to do it. He, he could do it. It wasn't just a desire to do it. He had the means to do it. So I looked up to my dad and I go, oh my God, I want to be like you, dad. And so that's all my life. I wanted to be like my father. And I eventually kind of got into entrepreneurship. And one of the reasons I got into the, the advisory, coaching, consulting space was because I wanted to help people like that. And here's the first thing I noticed, Phil. There was a lot of good people, really good men and women that were involved in entrepreneurship, but they weren't necessarily business background people. They didn't understand how to do business. And especially they had problems selling and marketing. Surprise, surprise, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I noticed is, well, they're, because they're good people, they didn't want to come across like they were not good, like they were like pushy Sleazy or sales, slimy. Man. You yeah. know what I'm talking about, right? So so they wouldn't go after business they should go after, right? They would just like hang back, hoping people would come to them. And they would miss out on opportunities they should have gotten. So they wouldn't make the money that they should have for themselves, for their families, you know, and those clients they could have helped wouldn't get a good, caring human being that cared to take care of them. And, you know, it's because of the frame they had about selling. And I thought to myself, you know, what if I could teach these people how to look at it differently? Because I never looked at selling as pushy. I looked at it as service. So I thought, okay, that's the thing to do. Let's reframe it from selling to serving. Nobody wants to be sold. Phil, you don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold. It feels yucky, right? But we want to be served by a good, caring human being. And we love to buy. I don't know about you. I love buying stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have too much stuff. All day long. So just teaching them first and foremost, Phil, as an entrepreneur, how to think about selling a service for a lot of people that doubled, tripled, quadrupled their sales and income. And it made them feel better about themselves as they went out of doing that. My dad used to say, Phil, business isn't about money, son. It's about people. It's not about money. It's about people. It's not about numbers. It's about people. Remember, anybody you're dealing with, that's someone's husband, someone's wife, someone's daughter, someone's son, someone's sister, someone's brother. Phil, that's somebody who, you know what? They're a hero to someone. They maybe even have been disappointed a little bit by life, maybe even disappointed by someone just like you who was like telling them everything they wanted to hear, but then didn't deliver anything for them. So I say the way that I like to do business and the way I teach people to do business is first and foremost, it's about people. It's not about the money. It's not about the numbers. If you focus on the people, the money and the numbers will take care of themselves. And it's true. It's been tr proven time and time again. The more you help someone, the more it's going to come back to you tenfold. Um, so, Nikki, the reason why, if we look through that whole thing, the reason why you got into entrepreneurship is because you wanted to be like your dad and help people when they needed it the most, right? Good, good Christian value, a good human value to have. Um, wh where did you start learning to make sales less icky and more about the people? Well, first from my dad, because my dad would go and meet people um, that he wanted to do business with, and he would sit down with them, and he just took the time to get to know people. Like, I, 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 he would have people over the house for dinner, right, that he was doing business with, and like I'm telling you, it was wild. They would get all the best silverware and all, the, you know, the China out, you know, mom and dad would just like take, like they would just take the 
in, Iran, in Farsi, in Iran, we call it pazirai. It means hospitality. They take it to another level. People would come to the house and they would be treated like royalty. And the whole night, all dad would do was ask them questions. How are you? How's your family? What's going on? Tell me what's going on. And even the little kids that they brought with them, right, to meet with us and play with us, he'd ask them questions. And all he would do is come up with ways and ideas to be of service. There would be no discussion of the business initiated by him, okay? It would all be about make this person feel amazing. And at some point in the night, they would just say, okay, well, Mr. Baloo, you know, maybe we should talk about, you know, a little bit of the business. And 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 they'd, they'd just, dad say, well, you know, yeah, we can if you like. We don't have to. And they said, no, no, I want to talk about it. And then dad would shoo us away with the other kids. And <laughs> it's like, okay, it's later, time. You go play, right? Because they, they were talking dollars and cents at that point. Yeah. And, the, and not for us. He didn't care about us, but, you know, the they wouldn't feel comfortable, like, saying stuff in front of their own kids and us. So 20, 30 minutes later, they'd say, come on back, kids. They'd see him shaking hands, you know, hugging. And dad would get the business. And I just saw, and I I, I would ask him, dad, what happened? He said, oh, yeah, well, you know, we, we, we agreed to do business. And uh, I said, Wow. Is this how you do it? He said, yeah, I just treat people well and, you know, do do good work. Obviously, you have to do good work. I mean, that's table stakes and then you're good. And the other thing was um, many, many years later, when I got into entrepreneurship, um, I, I hired a, a mentor. In fact, he still mentors me. Uh, his name's Mark Von Muser. Um, he used to work with uh, Anthony Robbins and helped run his coaching and training practice. Now he works with a... Uh, an organization called Clients on Demand. And Mark is like the shit diggity when it comes to heart-based <laughs> enrollment and sales. And that's all he's ever taught me. And he says it all the time too. It's not about numbers. It's about people. It's not about numbers. It's about people. And he said, don't go into a call thinking, am I going to get the sale? Is that going to happen for me or anything like that? Go into the call thinking, um, God, let me serve this person. Let me be of service to them. And if it's if it's the right thing, then let's do business. But let me serve this person. Let my attention be on them and helping them and their needs, regardless of what happens. You know, whether we do business, don't do business. Let me leave them with value. And that's really great advice. Because like if I have a sales meeting that's happening or any kind of meeting, I just think to myself, I want to learn something from this human being. And I want them to um, feel that they were served, that they got something good from the meeting. And that's that's the truth of the matter. And that's what I teach people is you, you should look at this as a person, man, not like I need a sale. One of the key things people do in business, Phil, that's wrong is they put all the attention on themselves and they wonder why their business is suffering. Because when you put all the attention on you, you're going, are they going to like me? I wonder if they're going to like me. Are they going to do business with me? What if they find out what I'm really like? You know, the imposter syndrome thing. What if they yeah. find out that I don't have as much experience as, you know, so-and-so or whatever? They drive themselves nuts with that inner talk because all the attention's on them, right? And the client will pick it up. They'll go, I kind of like this guy, but there's something weird going on there. So I, I, And you know what happens when people feel funny vibes? They don't do business. They don't do business mm -hmm. when they feel funny vibes. They just won't do it. They might like you. It doesn't matter, but something will feel off. But if you put all the attention on them, if you forget about, you know, are they going to like me? You know, are they going to find out that I don't have as much experience as so-and-so? If you forget about all that and go, 
I wonder what really is bothering them today. I wonder what's going on in their business. You know, uh, vis-a-vis how you help people, obviously, right? And you really put all the focus on them and you just don't even think about you. The chances of them doing business with you rise exponentially because they'll feel, they'll feel that you care. You know, Mark taught me, you got to show that you care, right? There's the the great American poetess, Maya Angelou. There's a, 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 a stanza from one of her poems. It goes something like this. People will forget what you said to them. People will forget what you did for them. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And that's the most important thing. So you got to show you care. Then you got to obviously be curious, right? That's putting the attention on them. Curious as to what's going on with them, right? Curiosity, it's really important. Ask all good questions and they'll see that you actually, you're caring, you're curious. And then you got to be, you know, you, you got to help them clarify things. Or you got to help them clarify why it's not working. One of the reasons people don't do business is because they kind of know things aren't where they want them to be, but it's, it's not hurting them enough yet for them to act. Mark taught me an undisturbed prospect will not buy. An undisturbed prospect will not buy. So I was talking to someone the other day, and they're making $400,000 a year as a, as a corporate trainer. That's wonderful money. Like $400,000 a year is good money, right? But they want to make 800000 They want to make 800000 So they, they kept telling themselves, hey, you know, Nikki, that's good. I'm not I'm making good money. And I'm like, then why do you want to make 800000 Why are we here? He said, well, you know, I'd like to be able to do this for my son. I'd like to be able to buy this type of house for myself. And I go, oh, so it is bothering you. What happens if you aren't able to do this for your son? And then they started to get clear on the consequences of not being able to do those things that that extra money they wanted would allow them to do. And then they started to feel a little agitated inside. The stress level that they were trying to push away became obvious to them. That's what I mean. You disturb your prospect because you disturb them with what they're really feeling because most times people are shoving those feelings down. They don't want to acknowledge them. But if they shove those feelings down, that means they're willing to continue to live with them. What you want to do is raise those feelings up so they, they're ready to make a decision to no longer live with those terrible feelings and to do something about it and to transform their life. I'm in the transformation business. I'm not in the business of making sure on the call that person loves me and thinks you know good feelings and thoughts about me. I'm in the business of making them feel that this situation is intolerable. I'm ready to solve it. And that this fellow sitting in front of me, he knows what I need to do to solve it. So let's go. That's what I focus on. That, those, that is a great thing to focus on because it's helping. It, it, you are a rippling effect. Like you're like the stone that hits the water because your small little ripple effect helping one person will create more ripples that will help other people because they get clear. They're able to help their client or their cl- customer and their customer can end off going doing amazing things because you do focus mainly on those entrepreneurs and coaches that are looking to help the world um in your vast uh career so far you've must have come up with a multitude of memories where you were were able to help clarify for your clients and the, your the people you were helping out um is there one that just stands out that's kind of like just reinforces the idea that hey this is why I do what I do. 
Like this yeah, is reinforcing absolutely. the teaching your dad, your dad, like the message your dad gave you at a young age of helping people without even having any expectations. Is there is there one that really stands out for you that you care to share? I actually have three stories, but I'll share the first one with you right off the top. So um, a few years ago, um, I was introduced to a young man who, um, as luck would have it, was a personal fitness trainer. And he was 25 <laughs> at the time. And um, he was a good dude. Like, I'm talking Phil. You would want him as a friend. You would want your sister to date him. Like, that's what I'm, that's the kind of dude he was, okay. you know? Uh, you just like, you just knew this, this is, this is good people, but he was a terrible businessman, <laughs> terrible. Like he, um, he had seven clients and they were all people that knew him before. And he made $1,200 a month. And he was like struggling, he lives in Toronto where I live. Toronto's like the New York city of, of Canada, <laughs> yeah. you know, so 1200 doesn't really cut it. And when he was introduced to me, he was like, I, I need to change things. And um, so I asked him, I said, okay, his name was Dan. I said, Danny, tell me, um, who's your, who's your ideal client? Who do you help? And he looked at me, he goes, Nikki, I, I help everybody. I can help anybody. Um, you know, I can help, you know, women, men, I can help younger women, uh, older men, doesn't matter. I can help them lose weight. I can help them get stronger. I can help them enter competitions. It doesn't matter. And I was like, no, Danny, that doesn't work. Like really who, who do you help? No, but seriously, I can help anybody. And I was like, okay, anybody with a wallet, a pulse. And he's like, ah, good one. Good one. <laughs> he said, I guess so. And I said, no, no, you need to narrow your focus. That's why you're, you're not making money. He goes, okay, okay. I understand. Um, I got it. My dad's a doctor. I love my dad and doctors make a lot of money. Let's, let's go work with doctors. And I was like, that's your message. My dad's a doctor. I love my dad and doctors make a lot of money. That's not a good message, but he didn't care. He, he went after the, the doctors. Didn't work out. I said, Danny, we need to change your message and your target. It's not working. He said, okay, okay. I'll, I'll go after cardiologists. They make more money than doctors. I'm like, oh my God, Danny, you're not getting it, pal. And he, he, he went after them and it didn't work. And then all of a sudden, he was going after the money. You know what I mean? It was all about the money. Like, ah, these guys have money, money. They can pay. 25 and years old, all you care about that, is money. Right? And they felt that and they, they weren't interested. So as luck would have it, he started to work with a, with a man who was um, a Paralympian. He had a missing leg since childhood. And they really clicked. They worked well together. He helped this guy get fit and strong. And in fact, he went to a competition and won some more medals. That was how good it was. And then Danny comes to me and he goes, okay, I think I finally got it here. I've been going after the money and I shouldn't have been doing that. I should have been going after like helping people. And I, and I, I really loved helping this man. And I think I want to help people with missing limbs. I, I really know how to help them. And I, I you know, um, a lot of them probably, I see not a lot of them work out. And I said, okay, yeah, go for it. That sounds good. He, I thought, yeah, he's getting it. Let's see what happens. Buddy, in six weeks, he signed up 400 clients, 400 clients. He, he was making $1,200 a month, right? He added not one zero, but two zeros to that monthly income, 100,000 plus a month. Now, 
Why? Well, first of all, he stopped focusing on the money, started focusing on people. Secondly, nobody else was going after people with missing limbs. They thought they can't work out. So why bother? But he knew better. And his message was, I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to make you powerful. And you can do anything anybody else can do. And you got to just imagine yourself in the shoes of an individual with a missing limb. That was a good message for them because they probably didn't believe that to be true for themselves. They had a limiting belief around that, you know, Phil. So that's how Danny uh, went from being a guy who was struggling to a guy who was making just a ton of money. One hundred twenty a month. That's uh, that's a that's a good annual salary. Making it a month is even better, dude. Um, totally. <laughs> Wouldn't be, I wouldn't be upset if I was making that a, a month uh, or even a quarter of that month. Um, wh- what is the the you you obviously want to be leaving a legacy that you're proud of for your your family, similar to how your dad impacted you, and you've impacted hundreds of probably hundreds and thousands of people with your teaching of looking at the client first before looking at the money. Um, what what is a goal that you have? Like, what, what's your five year goal? look like well you know i was telling you i'm a believer in freedom and free enterprise and free expression um i want to see a billion people around the world become millionaires i call it hashtag billion millionaires i know i can't do that by myself but i'd like to see a lot of people be excited about helping other people become millionaires Right now, there are 40 million millionaires around the world, right? If we had a billion millionaires, just imagine how that would change the world, bro. You know what I mean? Imagine how that would change the world. Imagine what would become possible for people and for families. Imagine the good they could do with that money. You, you know what I mean? And, and the free enterprise system would be strengthened by this. So... In the next 12 months, I'd like to help personally about 20 people achieve that, personally. Get to a million-dollar net worth, million-dollar annual income. And I want to inspire people to do that as well. So that's, that's kind of my vision. So if in five years we go from 40 million millionaires around the world to, uh, a hundred million millionaires. That's a great start. That is, that's a huge, that's a one, a very admirable goal. And especially in the, this, the coming uh, financial situation, the world is finding themselves after uh, the COVID uh, situation. So I think that's a yeah. very, very great goal uh, to have. And one that's easily supported by the, uh, the members of the audience, because you're providing us with some amazing golden nuggets. Uh, and I want to ask you, um, because we're coming near the end of the episode, uh, I do want to ask you one more kind of tip uh, you have for people wanting to start the entrepreneurial journey. Those people who, um, apart from just listening to your client and serving your client the best that you can and not thinking about the money, what is another tip you may have for people who are looking to jump into the world of entrepreneurship, who are still kind of on that fence? Well, if you want to succeed at the at the game of business, 
you need to have four qualities. And let me just share these qualities with you. First and foremost, you need to be a decisive individual. Okay. You need to make a decision to do it and kill off the alternative. It cannot be a nice to have. It needs to be a must have. You follow me? Many, many years ago, um, Napoleon Hill, the author of the legendary book, Think and Grow Rich, he was getting his start in life, and he was a newspaper reporter. And his editor sent him to do an interview with the then richest man in the world on behalf of the newspaper. That was Andrew Carnegie uh, of U.S. Steel who had uh, landed in the United States from Scotland with one penny in his pocket and became the richest man in the world. And when, um, when Napoleon Hill met Andrew Carnegie, Andrew Carnegie took a shine in Napoleon Hill and asked him at the end of the interview, Mr. Hill, how would you like to spend the weekend at my estate? Now, Phil, if the richest man in the world today, who I believe is Elon Musk, asked you if you'd like to spend the weekend at his estate, I got a feeling you would turn your schedule around to make it work, right? <laughs> no, no, I would cancel. I would, I'd say, no, no, sir, I'm not spending my weekend with you because what would I gain from spending a weekend with the richest man in the world, right? Like, it doesn't make sense to spend time with him. <laughs> so, so, anyways, they spent the weekend and they just talked all weekend. And at the end of that, Mr. Carnegie said to Mr. Hill, Mr. Hill, I have a proposition for you. How'd you like to spend the next 20 years researching my philosophy of success and writing a book about it to share with the masses? I will not pay you a stipend. What I, what I will do is I will give you letters of introduction to the 500 richest and successful men and women in these United States. Napoleon Hill took 31 seconds to answer and he said yes. And the rest is history. He wrote Think and Grow Rich and interviewed all those people and became a huge success. And many years later, he met with the great man one last time before he passed. And while they were reminiscing about how they initially met, um, Carnegie said, Mr. Hill, you didn't know this, but I had a watch with a second hand that I was looking at under the table, and I'd given you one minute to make up your mind. If you hadn't made up your mind in one minute, I was going to pull the offer. And he was like, whoa, but why? He said, well, you've been studying my philosophy of success. You tell me. And he said, mm. he said, I got it. Successful people are decisive people. Successful people decide once they have the facts. They don't hem, they don't haw, they don't go, let me get back to you, I'll think about it. None of that crap. That's how losers think. Winners and successful people are like, yes, no, quick, move. So that's decisiveness. Secondly, you got to be committed. You can't be thinking, I'm just going to give this a shot. If it works, great. If it doesn't, I'm out of here. No. You got to be in it to win it. Thirdly, you've got to have a mentor and you got to be coachable. You got to take their coaching. If you don't take their coaching, you're going to lose. Your way sucks. Your way hasn't worked. 
write this down. My way sucks. My way hasn't worked. My way has me where I am today. I need coaching. I need a new way. And then finally, you need to be resourceful, right? And I'll tell you a little story from my own life. When I um, was a much younger man than I am now, um, my then wife decided she didn't want to be married to me anymore. And she left. Blindsided me. Maybe it shouldn't have, but it did. And I, I spiraled into self-pity. And I was sleeping on my mother's couch, grown-ass man, two children sleeping on his mother's couch. Not good. I went to a business conference, and I saw a man do a talk. And it resonated with me. I walked over to him, and I started to chat with him, told him my story. And then I said, I think I need to hire you. And he said, really? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, okay. Well, my minimum fee is $5,000 for five hours of my coaching. I don't offer any guarantees. I don't give refunds. And I get paid up front in full. And I was like, holy crap. I don't have any money. I'm on $5,000. And I told him that. And he said, I know. He said, I'm going to give you some free coaching. I said, okay, give it to me. Free coaching, man. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he said, it doesn't matter whether you have any money. And that was surprising to me because I thought that was all that mattered. You wanted $5,000, right? <laughs> he said, what matters is how bad do you want change? You've been stuck in this situation you've been telling me about for a couple of years. You're sleeping on your mother's couch. How much longer do you want this situation to continue? It just, boom, 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 hammer blows to the body, right? I didn't want it to continue. So I didn't like what he had to say, but I knew he was right. So I said, give me a couple days. And back then I was a personal fitness trainer, like I was telling you before. And um, there were a couple people I was in conversation with about working with me who had not made up their mind. But I had a sense of urgency. So I called them up. And here's what I said. I said, I got good news for you. You're fat and you need to lose weight. And I'm broke and I need money. Let's work together. I'm going to give you the deal of a century. Half price. But here's the catch. You got to say yes now. You got to pay me now. What's it going to be? Yes or no? A couple of guys said yes. Gave me a thousand bucks each. I made an appointment with this fella. I went into his office and I proudly laid down the, the 2000 bucks. I was really proud of myself. But he looked at me and he said, I said five, not two. And I was like, oh. But then I looked at him and I said, how many times have you given this little speech that you gave me the other day? He said, over the years, 30, maybe 40 times. I said, all right. Besides me, who else came to you with any money? He said, oh, that's easy. You're the first. And I said, oh, okay. Take my money. 
We'll sign a contract. I'll pay you the rest in 30, 60 days, whatever the case may be. And he agreed. And I paid him off on time. And I made $100,000 in the next four, five, six months. Resourcefulness. Doesn't matter how much resources you have, it matters how resourceful you are and how bad you want change. These are the four qualities of success. If you're getting started in business, you must have these four qualities, otherwise you will fail. Monumental, mind blowing, um, which is regular occurrence on this. I'm surprised I have any mind left from interviewing amazing entrepreneurs like yourself, Nikki. Um, I'm going to be asking the last question here. It's the spark question, the spark, the conversation, spark your thinking from yes theory and seek discomfort. So Nikki, is there a habit or belief that took you a long time to unlearn? That's a great question. Um, it's all up to me is the belief that has helped me the most and took me the longest time to accept. And there's times I still don't want to accept it. But it's all up to me. There is nobody else who's responsible for my life, for my success. Not my parents, not my teachers. Not my friends, just me. I love it. I love it. N Nikki, I'm having a great time talking with you. Unfortunately, you do have to come to an end. Uh, I'm going to jump off screen. I'm going to let you have the last five minutes. Please let my audience know where they can find you, how they can support you, and how they can get in contact with you. So the floor, sir, is yours. Well, I've got a, um, a podcast called The Thought Leader Revolution um, it's on all the major podcast platforms. Uh, have a listen. We interview some of the world's top thought leaders. I've written a number of uh, business books. Go on Amazon, check them all out. They'll give you some great mindset tips that you can use to win and some great strategies on how you can add a million dollars a year to your business. In fact, that's the title of one of my books. Um, but if you're a business owner and you're stuck and you're looking to grow to the next level, Best thing you can do is go to um, this following link, eastcircleacademy.com forward slash appointment and find a time to get on my calendar and let's have a conversation about why you're stuck and what it's going to take to get you out of there. It's a complimentary conversation. Make sure you take advantage of it. That's all. Excellent. Nikki, I can't thank you enough for coming on and sharing your story and giving all those amazing tips that you did and the golden nuggets about beat the the four, the four pillars that we need in business. Um, to my audience, uh, make sure you check out the show notes down below, all the links to Nikki, as well as his E-Circle. Uh, it's E-Circle, right? Yes. E-CircleAcademy.com. E-Circle Academy. I was right. Okay, good. Uh, E-Circle Academy will be down in the links below. Uh, I've perused the website, and it's an amazing uh, place with a lot of resources for you. So um, go check it out today and always nick nikki thank you so much for being on the show i can't thank you enough god bless you brother thank you be well thank you and to my audience remember always to invest in yourself